Welcome to The Grove Church. My name is Kent and thank you for being here today. You can find all these videos and more on our website www.grovechurch.life or by visiting our YouTube page, The Grove underscore Bakersfield. And as always, you can give right on our website to support what God is doing through The Grove as we help all people experience new life in Jesus. So thank you for your partnership. Today, we are going to continue in our series, Genesis, In the Beginning. We've been tracing out the story of the gospel in Genesis as we intersect with our lives today. You know, we at The Grove desire to be a place of connectedness and belonging through the gospel. As we open up the book of Genesis, the gospel story, our story, comes pouring out of the pages. So let's jump back in. We're going to be opening up to Genesis chapter 12. So grab your phone or your Bible or follow along on the screen. You know, I personally love Google Maps, but I hate asking for directions. And I realize that's a typical dude thing to say. I know emphasis on the last part of that statement. Yet, without Google Maps, I would be a total lost, disoriented, and humbled person. I use it so regularly to get around, whether it's to know how long it will take me to arrive at a destination or just actually to get directions to my destination. Uh, it wouldn't be a crazy if I jumped onto Google Maps and it just changed my destination on me, taking me to a whole new area that I didn't recognize or didn't speak the same language even. Well, this is what God does to Abraham essentially in Genesis chapter 12. And as we jump back into this narrative, let me remind you where we've come so far in this story. Now, in the beginning of Genesis, God created us to be with him in a perfect world. We were made in his image to rule and reign over creation with God. However, through Adam's transgression, chapter 3, he chose his way over God's way. We all fell with him. We're all finding ourselves separated from our relationship with God. See, God then lays out these consequences to this sin. He calls them curses in Genesis 3. And we begin to see these curses affect oh, throughout the story and all throughout creation, leading ultimately up to the flood that God spared Noah and his family and all the animals on the ark from. Yet the washing of the water through the flood did not do away with the problem of sin. And there is still the separation of humanity from their creator. See, thus, in Genesis, the biblical story has focused on the whole of humankind. Yet, after the great rebellion of last time in the Tower of Babel, he scatters them into the nations. Now, God once again is turning his attention to a single person to bring forth his plan of redemption, Abram. From the remainder of Genesis, Abram and his descendants are going to be the central focus now remember, at the Tower of Babel, man continued to rebel against God as he set up his own kingdom. So this was man's response to the problem they faced in the world around them. They were experiencing brokenness and insignificance, so they tried to make it better by making a name for themselves and building this tower. You know, we tend to do the same today as we experience hard and difficult things in our lives. We begin to find coping mechanisms rather than faith in the gospel of Jesus. And as we turn our attention to this next section of the book of Genesis, the story of God, God initiates his plan to rescue humanity through 
his covenant, a promise with the family of Abram in order to restore divine blessing to all the nations. God is going to make a way. He always does. And here's our point today. God directs our future as we respond to him by faith. We will see Abram respond to God by faith in two ways. So let's jump in here. It all begins in chapter 11, verse 28. This is Abram's narrative. It says in verse 27, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. See, as we have seen so far in Genesis, the statement that these are the generations of is a transitional remark between sections of the book. These are equivalent to breaks or acts in a play. Here we have, we've been given a brief summary of the sons of Terah in the end of chapter 11, beginning with the death of Haran, uh, whose son is actually Lot, and this is how it happened back in the land of Ur. Then there's an explanation of the other two sons taking wives. Abram took Sarai, as his wife, and Nahor took Milcah. These verse 30 then sets up the major theme for this narrative, but also one for the rest of the book, barrenness. Sarai was barren. She couldn't have children. Terah then moves his family away from Ur toward the land of Canaan, yet they settled there in the land of Haran, where Terah actually dies. And as we turn the page to Genesis chapter 12, Abram is now the main character who will have this encounter with God. So check it out. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. As God calls Abram to follow him, God reveals his divine plan through a series of promises he makes to Abram. God promises to make Abram and Sarai a great nation, to bless him, to make his name great, to make him a blessing, to bless those who bless him to curse or to judge those who judge him, and ultimately to bless all the people on the earth through him. For the rest of the book of Genesis, we will see this promise come true. Even the last part, see in Genesis chapter 12, is a huge turning point in the book. See, the plan that God initiates with Abram stands in stark contrast to the events at Babel, which are a great representation of the first 11 chapters. The people of the earth have sought to make a name for themselves with the construction of the Tower of Babel, but God rejects their ambitious plan to do things their own way. Now, however, God promises that he will make Abram's name great, make him into a great nation. I find it interesting that the trophies that the people of Babel attempted to take for themselves, whether it was fame, security, and a heritage for the future, are now God's free gift to Abram. This is a powerful reminder that what we seek to accomplish in our strength will fail, but God's promises will be fulfilled. 
Here God initiates a relationship with Abram and calls him to leave his country, the land of Ur, his father and family and his people group to travel to a land that God will show him and ultimately give him. Just imagine if one of your friends came up to you and said that uh, God had spoke to them about all of this. You know, you'd think that this person was crazy. Yet God calls people to himself out beyond their comfort zone into trust and dependence in him alone all the time. Abram was leaving everything for this promise that God gave him. Abram sacrificed to see this promise come true. He had faith that brought a blessing. God is directing Abram's future as he responds by faith. And here's our first point today. Abram's faith brings about a blessing. See, faith brings about a blessing. But let's discuss this question together now. When have you seen faith bring about a blessing in your life? Right here in the narrative, the gospel is being preached to Abram. Or later, God changes his name to Abraham. But more on that in a different sermon. The Apostle Paul actually picks up on this, pointing it out through the promise of Abraham's descendants to bless all people in Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Let's check these verses out together. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, again, Gentiles are the people who are not natural born sons of Abraham. So the, the Gentiles would be justified by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Now, how was the gospel preached? Well, right here in saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. I love how the New Testament sees that the gospel is being preached right here. God is the great rescuer who initiates the mission to bring his children and the children of every tongue, tribe, and nation back to himself. They will be one people again under God's rule in God's place. Anyone who places their trust in Jesus becomes a son of Abraham and along with him receive a blessing and this blessing is not just to us individually, but to the whole world. And when we read through the story of Abraham and see God focusing strictly on Abraham and his future descendants, it may seem that God's given up on the other people of the earth. It appears that God is choosing a people, the descendants of Abraham and eventually Israel, at the exclusion of the rest of the nations. However, God's choice of Abram and Israel is for the inclusion of the world, not the exclusion. The concluding promise that God makes to Abram is that in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is a climactic conclusion to why God is focusing on this one man and nation to bring about his redemptive plan to bless the entire world. This God accomplished through sending his son, Jesus. See, Jesus was a descendant of Abram, the fulfillment of the hope of the people of Israel's Messiah. He came and lived a perfect life that no one could live, that we couldn't live. He died the death we deserve because of sin and rebellion. 
And now all who place their trust and their faith in him alone will receive eternal life. See, that's the blessing of the new life in Jesus. Now, as we turn back to Genesis 12, the narrative continues in verse 4. So Abraham went. I, I love that, that he went. Well, how did he go? As the Lord had told him, obedience. And what happened next? And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and, his, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to the land of Canaan. It's astonishing that at the age of 75, Abram responds by obeying God and sets out in an adventure to the not yet revealed location, going with his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and his extended family and servants. This is done in faith. God is the one who initiates his work and plans with Abraham. However, Abram does not just remain passive in this process. He journeys into the promises of God by responding in several ways. First of all, Abraham obeys God's direction. When God calls Abram to leave everything and to follow him, the scripture states, so Abram went as the Lord told him. That's crazy. Obeying God is not a one-time act. It's a lifestyle. I love this progression that happens. It says, verse 4, Abram went. Uh, verse 5, that he set out. It says in verse 6, that Abram traveled through the land. Verse 8, he went toward the hills. And verse 9, Abram set out and continued toward. God directed Abraham's future and he responds by faith. Here's our second thing faith brings. Faith brings about obedience. There's nothing more peaceful than to discern God's will in our lives, to obey him, to follow his direction. This can be extremely agonizing of a process where we question every minute decision we've made or will make in a day, which I don't believe is what discerning God's will is all about. Even if we do sense that we've discerned God's will, we tend to often look backwards to have confidence that we actually went God's way in a certain or particular decision. However, from time to time, we can experience a similar situation as Abraham, where God somehow reveals a path we would not likely have chosen for ourselves, yet we wholeheartedly agree and take, even if it means sacrificing something we love or value. It's in these moments that our trust and dependence grows as we step out in faith and obedience in following God. And from time to time, the greatest show of faith is not the call to necessarily leave where we are like Abram, but stay. Now, that can be a pretty hard thing to swallow for all of us who live in Bakersfield, where we view those who leave as lucky to have gotten out. It reminds me of a tough time in my life where God spoke clearly through a number of circumstances and individuals calling us to stay in a particular situation. Uh, when Danielle and I were preparing to get married, we were doing premarital counseling with our pastor in Illinois. Uh, our plan was to finish our undergraduate degrees at Moody, marry right afterwards, and move to Arizona to, that summer to pursue a seminary degree at Phoenix Seminary. 
While sharing this plan with our pastor, he challenged us to consider to stay in Illinois for a year or two. We left that meeting, Danielle crying, and both of us realizing God had not led us away from our current situation, but established us further there. That was one of the toughest decisions we had made up to that point in our lives, but we knew it was from God and it took tremendous courage and sacrifice to follow through with it. This is what happened with Abraham with this first encounter with God. Abraham needed courage to take God at his word. He sacrificed his homeland, his comfort to go to a land God had promised to give him, yet a land he had never seen. He never put his, laid his eyes on this land before. His faith in what God could do and what he had not seen brought about his obedience to God. But let's discuss this question together now. Was there a time in your life that you had to demonstrate courage and sacrifice? Is there something you are facing now that would benefit from some courage and sacrifice? In the New Testament, the author of the book of Hebrews reflects on Abraham's obedience by saying, by faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Hebrews 11, 8. We, in the same way, who believe by faith, should apply it through obedience. Obedience does not raise our standing with God. Only Jesus can do that through his death on the cross. Yet God is honored when we establish our lives in the gospel through living obediently in response to him. That means when God confronts us with an area that we have chosen to go our own way in, we need to relent. We need to change our minds, repent, and begin to take steps in keeping with that repentance and rid ourselves of that area. This will take courage and sacrifice to face some possibly messy challenges and issues in our lives. Yet, Jesus, through the cross, can bear your burden. He is enough to cover anything. We can have faith in him today to take our shame to take away our sin and brokenness from us. Where might God be calling you to venture out in faith? We can trust God for a future as we do it by faith. Faith brings about a blessing to those who abide. As we trust Jesus and live a life of faith, we experience this new life that is given to us through the gospel. And then by faith, live in obedience to the one who paid it all for us. This trusting in the gospel is not a one-time thing. It's something we do every day. This is a faith that lives on while it continues to challenge and change our lives, our world, and our perspectives. We need to allow faith to bring about the necessary changes to our story so that our story becomes more and more like the gospel story. Take hold of faith today as it begins to Bring forth a blessing and obedience in your life and in your week ahead. This should lead us into a time of giving thanks and, and to tell God how appreciative we are in this upcoming season we find ourselves. Well, thank you for tuning in today, and we look forward to gathering after the holiday 
Happy Thanksgiving.